So, Zoha, what do you do when you're married? I'll tell you what I did today. I, uh, I dropped chocolate on myself and then I didn't want to change because I'm lazy. So I like really tucked my top in to my trousers because I was just like, it's fine. No one's going to see it. So that's what I've done as a married woman today. I just don't know what married people do. I even asked my parents, I was like, so when I get married, am I meant to wake up each day with the same person and have, not not obviously with the same person, that's the whole thing. Ideally. Are we meant to wake up and have breakfast at the exact same time every day? Are we meant to wait for each other for dinner? Are we meant to... Uh, like do everything together can I go on a walk by myself or do I have to go with my husband or my partner I just had all these questions for my family this week and I feel like at my age I should kind of know what I'm what I'm meant to do when I'm married you're it sounds like you're really complicating it no not even complicated it sounds like you're going to join a zoo as a pet animal as opposed to get married to someone I I'm pretty sure I had the same questions when I was getting married but Again, I'm very lucky in that the partner that I had, I was with him for about two and a half, three years before we got married. And I was, we were very comfortable with each other before that um, and very open in terms of communication. So there was no expectation of, oh, you're going to cook me dinner every night. We're going to have to sit down together and eat. Or uh, there was never like, oh, if I'm waking up at seven, you have to wake up at 6.30 and have breakfast ready. It's a very different generation. So whereas my parents expected me to do things like that there's no expectation in my house for any of that so my parents find it really strange if my husband goes out with his friends and I am chilling at home but that's very normal they also find it really strange that I went for a walk alone the other day um while he was working at home they were like are you okay are you fighting I'm like no I just needed some space so I went for a walk and it's fine so there's there's a massive generation gap in terms of marriage and the expectations that it comes with. Financial things are the most, the weirdest. I'm like, because I don't expect him to just spend all his money on me. Like, I can't bring myself to say, oh, can you please buy me this? It's very different because with my parents, the expectation is always, you know, it's everyone's money, even though one person may be working really hard for it or two people may be working really hard for it. Um, and that is a norm in Pakistan as well. So it's very, very different. But yeah, we don't... The meals and stuff, it's, it's, not, it's not like that. Of course, this sounds like a silly question, but I feel like I have to unlearn a lot of the things that I've, I think I thought you have to do or you, you must do. Is my whole life, I've kind of grown up and my, my, my grandparents, even some of my parents have been like, Sonia, when you're married, yeah, I'm like, guess oh, it. Oh, I've had that. Guess it. And they're like, you know, Torisi, um, I don't even know how to say what they say, but they're like, you have to lower your, your voice or you have to be calmer or, you know, you have to learn how to do the cooking, the cleaning, the dishwashing, the, the raising the kids and the juggling the finances. And I'm like, do I? Because making roti was not in my plans. They're like, nay, nay. You know, I'm like, he's he's grown up in England. He doesn't want roti. He wants a beef steak. He's like, so are you going to make him beef steak? I was like, probably not because I don't eat beef. Nay, 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 nay. 
well, I'm getting married to him. I feel like that's kind of doing something for him. And then we're just starting together. They're like, no, but if, even if, because I don't like, um, I don't really like meat except chicken. It hasn't been a problem in all the while that I've been with my other half. He's never been like, you have to eat anything else. He's never been like, have to cook something that isn't this. Of course, one day I'd love to be able to cook. But the point is that I go to my grandparents and every time I go there, they're like, so have you learned how to make a lamb dish? I'm like, no, I haven't. I've learned how to start a business. And I run two businesses. It's like, what? Not, not just me. But I think I've just psyched myself out to be like, this is what's expected. What am I getting into? And then I know it's another thing, but I see a lot of like people who are married, ladies who are married wear a lot of shalwar kameeze. So in my head, I was like, do I have to buy a lot of shalwar kameeze now? And is that something I have to wear? Because I'm married after like the age of, of, of 40. Like, is that what I'm getting myself into? Uh, and these this are is the end of the line. This is what you have to do. You have, you're going to be cooking roti every day and you have to wear shalwar kameeze. You will have to burn your jeans and your dresses. That's just, that's the rules. If you want to get married, that's what you have to do. No, I'm not kidding. Seriously. No, but you're right. Because all of this, the constant input of expectations, you you end up feeling like you have to completely change who you are just to be married. I've been married for a year and a half now, and I have not changed. There's some things that I wish I had changed, but <laughs> like the chocolate spilling incident, but I haven't. And that's absolutely fine because at the end of the day, my partner knew who he was marrying. I knew who I was marrying. And that was enough for both of us. You know, you have to learn how to make a roti. That 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 came up for me as well because I don't eat lamb. Um, and I remember once my mom was like, but he likes lamb. So what if he asks you to make lamb? What if he wants to eat lamb? And I'll be like, then he can make himself lamb. Or we can go out to a restaurant and he can order a lamb dish and I can have a chicken dish. It's fine. Like, it's not the end of the world, mom. But yeah, all of these questions and expectations and it just really messes with you. Because again, there's such a massive generation gap that your understanding is so different. Yeah, I definitely think it's messing with me. I didn't think it would mess with me. I'm like, you know, super strong, independent feminism. Great. I'm leading that like, you know, feminist agenda. But it just got to the point where the last few weeks I've had these random questions being asked by people around me or just silly questions and it just makes me think though again this has got nothing to do with my partner he knows exactly what he's getting himself into and he's the first person to be like if you're not doing it before marriage then I cannot expect it from you after because I know exactly who you are and you know who I am so it's not him that has the doubts and luckily he's very chilled about the whole scenario but I'm like okay so we get married so do I move in that day do I move my stuff in beforehand and then when we get married, what do we do after? How do we like start being married? And then what if we can't just handle each other anymore? And I just want to go home for a bit. Is that okay? Is that allowed? What if I want to go on holiday with the girls? You know, does that mean I can't stay out anymore? Does that mean I can't go go to like overnight parties? Like, can I have a sleepover? I have all these things going through my head. And he's like, it's, you know, it's good. We'll, we'll get to it when we get to it. I'm like, no, but I want to know what I'm getting myself into. Like, is this... <laughs> what is marriage and then obviously coming from a Pakistani background I can't help but have these like small instances plugging at me every time I think something and and though my parents and my grandparents and my uncles and aunties are very modern at the moment sometimes they still have these like not so modern comments come out 
And I'm like, is that is that really what you think? So am I expected to think like that? Like, and the roti thing, actually, it's me who eats the roti. I'm super Pakistani in my like taste buds. Um, so I need like roti and salad every other day. I just need it. Like I need dal javel at least once a week. I just can't oh, live without dal. So good. Love dal javel or like chicken biryani. Just need chicken biryani once a month. Dal javel needs to be like once a week. It needs to be done. But my other half isn't like that. But it's crazy that like my elders are not thinking about my eating habits. And I'm like, oh, you need roti because you've had roti your whole life. They're like, huh, but he's a Pakistani man. He's going to want roti and lamb. That's what they have. That is their staple. Alu gosht is their staple to be a man in Pakistan. Why Why do people think that? Because everyone said that about my husband. And all he eats is he literally requests me to make chicken and salad. And it's like I can make them 15 minutes and he loves it. Every time I make that, he's like, oh, babe, this is so good. And I'm like, I made you a lasagna yesterday, slaved over it. And he's like, yeah, but this is so good. And I'm just like, fine. They're very simple creatures, actually. Like, what does marriage mean when you start? Like, I no one told me. So I got married in Pakistan. And so we had, I had my mehndi. And then the next morning I had my shadi, literally. And the mehndi ended at like 3 a.m. because we were dancing so much. And then the next morning I had my shadi from 1, 1 p.m. So obviously I was at the salon at like 7 a.m. Between that time, no one told me that after my shadi, I will sit in my now husband's car and leave with him so all my stuff was still where I was before and it's really weird and confusing because no one said oh you should pack because you'll be going home with him and I remember coming home from the Mendy like 3 a.m really pumped you know had a good time but exhausted because obviously we were dancing and the next morning I knew I had to be up really early and I had like three hours left to sleep and I was like, I need to shower. And then I was like, oh my God, I need to pack because I'm not coming back here tomorrow. But, and, I, and I'd, I'd been living, so I was staying in my cousin's room. I'd been staying in that room for six weeks. So there was a lot of stuff in that room that was mine, like not just makeup, but like all the clothes and all the books and all the everything. And I, no one told me that I had to pack whatever I could find I just quickly put in my suitcase that night after I had a shower slept for two hours and then went to the salon in the morning and then yeah I left with him in the car and then I was like obviously I forgot so many things I had to call my cousin and be like can you get this this and this and please bring it now because I forgot my toothbrush and I need to sleep in a bit (laughs) like it's and it's again it's also one of the I think one of the reasons that we don't feel prepared about it is because no one right like no one tells you in plain black and white your moms don't tell you because it's like oh we're so sad and it's like yeah but at least prepare me properly they also don't talk about the wedding night I just want to make that clear. No one tells you about contraception. No one helps you out with expectations. No one says that if you're not comfortable, it's okay. There's such a hype. Like, um, even like, yeah, what's the term? Swagrat. Like, there's such a hype around it. I don't even know what that means. If you're knackered, mate, you're knackered. You're not doing anything that night. It you is are going- exhausting. Getting married, getting married is the most exhausting thing you will do in your life. You will be physically drained. You will be mentally drained. And honestly, you just want to sleep. 
And I can't imagine it being any easier for the for the for the lad or for the for the man in this instance, right? Maybe he's not a lad, but the point being, I can't I can't see it being any easier because you've you've also just got married and then you just have someone coming into your life and they are just living with you and you're used to doing things separately, especially if you live by yourself. There's a way that you do things. So you know, I don't think they prepare anyone. I don't think it's just the girl that don't prepare. I don't think they prepare boys either of the responsibility of what's to come. Or I, I definitely don't think they have the same conversations to be like, I'm like, why is that even a thing? I haven't even got married yet. Like, I actually, I don't even know how to have kids. You never taught me. Please, let's not pretend like I know. I'm about to. Yeah. I'm not allowed to touch boys. Tell me how that happens, because you didn't tell me. The internet did, but please tell me. Tell me how you happen. So you're not going to tell me about the process, but you're going to expect it from me. But the man doesn't get the same thing, but he definitely gets things, and I'm sure he does when it comes to like financial responsibility. And so, how are you going to look after her, and, and what are you going to pay for? I didn't. I didn't ask my man to pay for everything, and not me. You know, a lot of girls don't. That's not the expectation. The expectation is that you will just look after you and you'll keep me safe, and we will kind of manage the finances or or the workload it's not like we don't live in a society anymore where where the responsibilities of having an and and literally producing a child is on you uh, as a woman and the man still gets to just talk about the finances because actually most of us now are degree educated we've been working for a while and we have a lot more awareness of the world but I think it's crazy that like elders even trying to uh, trying to plan when you have kids you know I uh, the conversation you know in the in the second year I'm like you don't know about my fertility you don't know what's going on down there how can you plan and make such big statements into the world without but more than that you don't even know if I want to have kids yeah it's, exactly. it's yeah. a choice you don't know that but this is the thing like it it really frustrates me because constantly like our elders always talk about marriage or getting married as you leaving their household you know you going away or getting like another so they see the husband as a father figure which I find really strange like oh yeah you have to take his permission and you have to like he's not my dad you know I'm living in his house but he's not my dad the thing is the one thing that they miss out when they talk about marriage which is the most important thing is partnership companionship you know, it, it blows my mind because why would a girl or why would a man be treated equally or expect to be treated equally when the whole time you've been telling them that they still need to seek permission or they still need to pretend like there's something else when they get married? Completely like, mind-blowing. And then you talk about marriage. Um, and actually, I, re- I read a really good tweet from actually the founder of Soul Sisters, Pakistan, Kabul, right? Kabul. I'm going to say that's how you pronounce her name, but I'm sorry. No. I thought you were. She, she actually tweeted the other day saying, uh, you know, Asian people still have such a, there's still something along the lines of there's still such a big stigma when the daughters of Asian uh, parents get divorced or they're unhappy in their marriages. And it's, and the point being, I loved it because it wasn't just talking about the fact that this happens or occurs. It's the fact that we have a lack of education before that, before we go into marriage. So, you know, people aren't sitting there telling me all my options and saying, look, God forbid, it doesn't work out. This is what you can do. They kind of set you up in the sense of, well, we have to endure it. 
and you have to endure it too. And I say it very, very strong heartedly that I really don't see a lot of happy couples around me. I don't. I don't see a lot of happy married couples around me. I definitely think generations and generations have been comfortable, have been complacent, and they've put up with a lot of crap. So the three C's that we just don't want to be. Um, and they're, they're, they're okay with it. And I don't want to be okay with it. And I know for a fact my other half is not okay with it, right? He believes in equality and he believes in, in partnership. But the point being that why is it my elders are not talking to me about these things or the things that are important, but they're talking to me about like kids and and expiry dates and uh you know what and and making the food like that's not even the basis and foundation and and that that's not even the important stuff like all of that you can learn you know cook with fires on youtube is is our like our second mom in our house she is the one who is really teaching us how to cook other than that you're right none of this is important this is all like way after you get married no one even talks about like no one even talks about what your rights are when you sign a nikah like as a girl Mm. even as a man they don't tell you you're just you're signing a contract for your life and no one tells you what it is you're not allowed to read it as a girl i was expected to be in a separate room from where where the signing was taking place no is that how it works you should tell me and i i've refused I'm sorry if my husband-to-be is sitting in a separate room and signing a paper that binds him to me, why would I be in a separate room? So then I went and sat next to him. Um, And then, so this room has a little partition door that sort of slides open. And after like 10, 15 minutes, I think the women realized that I wasn't coming back. So that door slowly opened and all the women were sitting there. So they pulled up their chairs. So it became one room. Um, And that's how I did it because I refused to be in a separate room I was like that is absolutely ridiculous we this is not how we should be doing it and then one of my regrets is not being vocal enough about what I was actually signing because I think it's a very it's a very strange experience because technically you're just signing a paper right but your entire life is about to change and I think if I would go back the only thing I would do differently is definitely read the nikah properly um, not that I have any doubts or anything about it, but just to educate myself, just to make sure that my rights are in there, my rights to divorce are in there, my rights to, you know, financial security are in there, all of that. And that's a valid point in any and every religion, any and every religion, especially the religions that take up majority of kind of the South Asian culture, do do not give the premise or do not give that kind of vocal ability to the woman it's you go you sit and and the man signs it and again I have no doubt that my other half will support me and back me but it's nice for me to know what what I'm signing and to do it in a way where it's uh, inclusive and also you know just the point of like surnames uh actually religion culture tradition are three different things so in religion, you don't have to change your surname, but culturally and traditionally, you do. And they haven't actually told you otherwise. And it just blows my mind that. But it's not even cultural norms of now, they're cultural norms of 25 years ago that are still carrying on. Like, fine, 30 years ago, if you didn't have any property to your name as a woman, it was fine. Because back then, you probably did not have a biomedical degree that you could use to become a doctor and support your family you probably did drop out of school after doing basic education and you probably will have kids very soon because you won't have the options to travel as much but we as human beings have evolved this is the thing like so many girls study 
have master's PhDs. But what's the point of it all if they feel the stigma of not working after they get married? I remember when I was, it was a few months before I got married and my uncle was sitting there. He's quite religious and he loved him to bits. And he said something like, oh, you know, you should stop working once you're married. And I was like, why? And he's like, your responsibility is in the house. And, you know, you should make sure that everything in the house is in place and dinner's ready and all of that. And I was like, <laughs> again, I say I'm very Bhattamese because I just say what I'm thinking. Um, even though I don't think I'm being Bhattamese. And I, I literally said to him, I was like, if, if that was my purpose, the only thing I would have is a uterus and arms. Why would Allah give me the same brain, mm. the same ability to make the decisions that a man can make, the same legs and hands and arms that I can do the work that he's doing, the same eyes and mouth and nose to be able to speak the way that he does? Why would Allah give me any of that if the expectation or my reason for being was just to procreate and make sure dinner's on the table on time? So I don't buy it. And also going back to how, you know, culture and religion is completely confused, it really frustrates me because people talk about how, oh, you know, men should take care of women and after you get married, you should stay home and take care of everything at home. But like, are you forgetting that Hazrat Khadija, the first wife of the Prophet, was a businesswoman and she recruited him? He worked for her while they were still married. What are you trying to say? Are you trying to say that she was un-Islamic? Because that's... Haram, you can't say that, bro. Like, I just don't understand why culture takes such deep root. And that's where a lot of problems come from, these expectations. Because, yes, girls study and do their PhDs. And then, the, and then obviously, they want to do something about it. But they can't. Because it's frowned upon if you work really hard after you get married. Because people shame you. People openly shame you. They say, oh, she's, she's too career-driven. She's not focused on her husband or anything. But your husband's not a child. If you're both working 9 to 5, 9 to 7, and you come back and have dinner together, that's fine. That's what we do. We're both working people. We don't see each other for breakfast or throughout the day, but we're texting because we have communication sources. And then we come home, we have dinner, we might watch an episode on TV, and then we go to sleep. And then the weekend, we can actually spend time together. It's completely normal. Yeah, and I, I, I definitely know a lot of instances where, you know, not just in the Islamic kind of uh, religion, but in Sikhism, in Hinduism, in Christianity, a lot of girls are feeling the pressure because, again, culturally, the woman must abide and the man must be free, if, if I was to put it in simplistic terms. And again, it's the bases are all the same, you know, every... Actually, most religious books does have a really prominent female lead or female character or, or someone who has really established themselves and is and is thriving for that equality or that change and that impact. And yet, as time's flown, we've forgotten about that one main character that really existed and helped things to thrive. And we've put all these other connotations around it. Um, and, it and it absolutely makes no sense. But I guess the, the other the other point that I wanted to pick up on is it also kind of upsets me to be to think that 
the people that are closest to you, and of course, sometimes they do it with the best intention, can say things like, you have to change yourself to find someone, or you're never going to find someone like this, or we're waiting for the day that you bring someone back, um, or, or that they that they just bring it upon themselves to think that they know what's best for you. Like, oh, you, you, don't, you don't want someone like that because you're like this. I'm like, but you don't actually know what I'm like because you're not with me 24-7 and my brain works differently. Huh? But this is the kind of person that will be good for you because, of, because you're this kind of personality. I'm like, yeah, but I'm that personality because you gave me that way and you gave me the permission to be. So are you now blaming yourself? And secondly, what's wrong with me? Like, come on, what? why, why is it wrong to be this personality? That's the heartbreaking part, isn't it? And that, like you said, the people closest to you sort of, in a way, they don't have faith in you. Hmm. And it's it's across the board. You can be a really shy person and they'll be like, no, you need to get more confident. You can be a really confident person and they'll tell you that you need to calm down a little bit. You can be really ambitious and they can say, bring it down because you don't want the your future husband to be threatened by your success. And you could be really unmotivated and just chilling at home and they can be like, you're not ambitious. That's not attractive at all. So whatever kind of person you are, there will always be someone telling you to be the opposite. You know, yeah, because my, everyone thinks they know best. Completely. My other half has evolved so much. So now he literally says it himself and says it to his friends and everyone around him to be like, in, invest in your woman like invest in her she will make us rich she will make us rich spiritually and mentally and physically because once a female is driven and they are ambitious they will go after what they want and they will they will get it and they're very determined and I think it's so beautiful that that terminology or that mindset has come especially when even as 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 a boy you're you're raised with certain expectations and with certain um cultural kind of stigmas placed on upon you you know from everything from when boys grow up it's like well you have to be a banker or you have to be an accountant or you have to be because you have to provide for a family you have to you can't be a nurse come on you can't be a painter you can't be an artist you can't you cannot be a dancer you know and actually a lot of things like you can't be a cook when actually most of the top shelves in the world are still men so you can only be a cook or or a fashion designer if you make it anything under that you can't be and obviously females are most definitely changing that but the point being that on the flip side I feel really bad for boys who have these like social stigmas placed on them as since they've been a kid to to mentally to be like well we must only be the breadwinners like you know we must only have to make money we don't have any responsibility the kids and it's no no you do but actually we should blame your parents a bit and society for making you feel like that's the box that you fit into. No I completely agree and as you said before he's an advocate of you know investing in your woman but I think equally we should be able to invest in our men as well and not just for money they're not just piggy banks I I don't want to marry a piggy bank you know (laughs) it needs to be so much more than that that's very hard because that's that's the expectation that's been on them for centuries but as much as we fight against the expectations placed on us um we need to understand that they're there's also expectations placed on them. And I think the only way that we can truly, truly fix it or, you know, create some sort of change is by going into it, thinking of it as a partnership mm-hmm. and working together and understanding likes and dislikes and adjusting. You know, it's marriage is hard work. You have to adjust. You, you're you learning 
about each other and respecting one another is the most important thing. I definitely feel a lot more prepared. I definitely think we do like a checklist or something to be like, this is what happens when you get married and this is what you need to do when you're married. And this is what your first month can look like. I'd love that actually. I'd love someone to like give me some kind of calendar to be like, here's the first month of marriage, do things as a couple. Um, actually, a couple of um, a couple of months ago, I went to one of my friend's brunches as she was doing it for charity and she had another another kind of South Asian woman who attended and you know bear in mind this particular female runs a like a like a, a feminist company I'd say a, a particular kind of I don't want to go into detail because obviously someone's going to listen to this and be like you're talking about me but this particular woman runs a feminist clothing company and I don't think she meant it like this but my hair was much shorter at that point so my I just that similar yeah my hair was like up to my shoulders and I remember they were talking about my wedding and they were like, oh, so you're, so you're getting married. Like, are you going to wear a red lenga? What is it going to look like? They're like, oh, you're most definitely going to put extensions in, right? I was like, no. They were like, oh, but how can you, how can you get married with short hair? Like, you know, you want to have that Asian bride look where you have long hair and your hair's up, half up, half down. That look really nice with curls at the bottom and a nice red lenga and like your debutte on your head. I was like, no, I'm going to, probably cut my hair short again I really like short hair they're like oh but no but your mother-in-law won't like that like how can you oh come on like you know that's not how Asians get married like if you need an extension place I have an extension place that do really good hair and I'm just thinking how can you in 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 that conversation how many things have you just said that is anti your movement you've told me that you can only get married if you have long hair you I'm going to upset my mother-in-law. You don't know my mother-in-law. She's good with it. She likes my hair. I'm going to upset her if my hair's not long. That I have to wear a debutte on my head, which I'm not doing because, honestly, my hair is way too nice for that. So I'm not going to do that anyway. And and lastly, that there's a typical way to get married and to be an Asian bride. And I walked out of that thinking, I think I've genuinely lost a lot of respect for you. That's sad. That is really sad. But again, I this is the thing. See, I don't think people say that to to put you down or yeah. to say something that's against their movement. It's just that that is the norm. And for them, it was just an everyday discussion. You know, it wasn't even, there was no questioning. And that's just how everyone does it. So why wouldn't you do it? Um, but I did, the whole haircutting thing is very... It's a very interesting topic, and I, I do want to talk about it one day because it's a lot of people just consider short hair to be ugly or you know unattractive or you know girls are not allowed to cut their hair like um it blows my mind the whole lenga and wearing a debutte on your head thing I completely agree it's a very personal choice and no one should be expecting that of you I I didn't have a debutte on my head because I I refused I felt like I wouldn't be me if I put debutte on my head because I just don't wear one um and I didn't want to be a bride on my wedding I wanted to be me on my wedding so one of the days I did for half an hour because I wanted to make my mom happy but the rest of the days I was like absolutely not I'm not wearing one on my head because that's not me and I am not flaky enough to pretend like I'm someone else on my own wedding day because everyone who's there has seen me without a dupatta. 
everyone who's there knows who I am. Or if there's someone who doesn't know me, then they shouldn't be there in the first place because that's, that's a whole other pet peeve of mine with like a million people at your wedding that don't even know who you are. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, this is an exhausting topic because there's so many different sides to it. There's you know, everything that we've spoken about, about like the expectations. I think one of the reasons that it prevails is because some women actually prefer not doing anything and just living off someone else's money. And it's just an easy way out of living your life, going to brunches and making friends and having fun. Um, and at the same time, there's a lot of ego issues that men want to be the breadwinner because if they're not, that will hurt their ego because they're fragile and that's how they've been raised. So there's so many different things, you know. Yeah, I definitely feel more comfortable. And it turns out I do have a few married friends in my circle. So asking them, just being like, what do you do? One of, one of my friends um, just moved houses with her partner. They've been married for a couple of years. Anyway, so she just moved house. And that's one of the questions I asked. I was like, right, so you've moved house. Like, what do you do when you're married and in quarantine? Like, what? T- tell me. And she's like, it's really not even that deep. She's like, you're actually overthinking it for no reason. I was like, I know I, I am. You but- really are. <laughs> I mean, I know, but I'm I'm a little bit scared. And I'm and that's the thing fine. is that's natural. Is it because it is. I was terrified. Because okay. for me personally, I never wanted to get married at all. I just I didn't because the understanding of marriage that I had was all the things that you're saying, like an Asian wedding or Asian marriage, you know? And that's not something I wanted in my life. So I never wanted to to be that wife. Um, meeting my partner and understanding that actually that's not the way all marriages have to be. Like you make your own rules. That's that's That was a tipping point for me where I realized actually it's not marriage I hate. It's a specific understanding of it that I don't like. But now it's really not, like your friend said, it's really not that deep. <laughs> you're just You're just living together and... You have your own lives, you have a life together, um, and it's really fun because, I don't know, I've been having a lot of friends since I've been married. I've traveled a lot, and because we have so many similar interests, uh, we've been able to do things together that I wouldn't have as much fun doing with anyone else in the world. Um, and yeah, that's those are the things you should be looking forward to. You should be looking forward to things like skydiving with your partner or traveling the world or, you know... Honestly, I'm just looking forward to baking him the peanut butter cookies that I learned. I there you know, go. That's, that's to, like, one. Oh, I made peanut butter cookies. I'll put some protein to it. You're going to love it. This is this is going to be your gym snack. So that's as much as my excitement goes. And that's what, um, so my friend Rueda, that's exactly what she was just saying on WhatsApp, being like, you know what? Don't get into these expectations, these cultural kind of um, mindsets. It's going to be a little bit difficult. It's going to be a bit rocky, but that's just because you guys are merging and you're compromising, compromise, but enjoy it and enjoy the ride. And ultimately, that's your best friend. Like you're choosing to be with that person. Of course, it would be different if I had never met them or if I'm not choosing, you know, kind of arrange or most definitely forced marriages is something I'm, I'm forced marriages. I'm definitely not into. So that's a whole different topic. But, you know, ultimately, and I think you've echoed it, just have fun and not worry and I'm not going to lie, I'm an overthinker. I'm also an oversharer, which makes no sense because it doesn't help my brain. It doesn't. Um, but I, I'm glad that I have like 
married friends and I'm sure after married friends my next questions would be like how do you have a baby what do you do when you have a baby what am I meant to do when I'm a mother what's gonna happen you don't know yet Uh, uh, let Uh, me know if it happens I need Um, I need all the details before I before I go into this I think but being scared is normal in fact it's healthy you're making a massive change in your life if you're not scared that means that you're not excited about it because ex- excitement is a type of fear and you know you're completely changing the way that you live and you get to live with someone who you love and it's going to be very different and it's it's scary because it's a new learning curve and it should be scary because otherwise why are you doing it Hey guys, this is Zoha. Thank you so much for listening to me and my boss babe co-host Sonia. You can slide into our DMs at any time with your questions and feedback on Twitter and Instagram. We are at LKKG Podcast or you can email us on LKKGPodcast at gmail.com.